Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. After a little girl in Delaware was bit by a new, exotic, and dangerous insect, the media began to speculate. But after a closer look, we find it's a much more mundane story that has a lot to do with insect feces. Welcome to Tiny Vampires, a podcast about disease, science, and blood-sucking insects. I'm Raven Forrest Ruscalzo. This is episode 32, Chagas Disease in the United States. Well, as you can see, I'm back. I was out filming with a PBS documentary for my day job for the past three months, but I have so much for you as a thank you for tolerating my absence from the podcasting world. First, I'm going to be doing a live show at Harvard for the Sound Education Podcasting Conference. If you can, you should really come to the conference. Mike Duncan from the History of Rome and Helen Zoltzman from The Illusionist are both going to be there, plus tons of other podcasters, including some of your favorite Agora shows. If you can't make it to the Sound Education Conference, I'll be recording my show and posting it as the October episode. Also coming out in October is my yearly Halloween agoraphobia episode, which is probably my most terrifying yet. So keep an eye out for that on the Agora podcast feed. And my last announcement is that I'm going to be a guest on the Ancient History Fangirls Halloween episode. Jen, Jenny, and I are going to be talking about ancient vampire myths from around the world, and the very real diseases that might explain them. Like I said, all this bonus content is to thank you immensely for sticking with me through a pretty wild summer. Okay, enough with the announcements, on to the show proper. Dr. Christian McGorry and quite a few others asked me about the kissing bug that bit a little girl in Delaware this year. Dr. McGorry wants to know 
what an insect that's associated with South and Central America is doing in the northeastern United States. First, let's talk about what a kissing bug is. Unlike ladybugs and lightning bugs, kissing bugs are actually bugs, which means they have a tube-like mouth part that folds under their body until they're ready to use it. There are many species of kissing bugs, but for the most part, they're all dark brown with orange stripes down the sides of their body. The thumbnail for today's show is a photo of one of them. If you look, you'll notice that it looks a lot like a whole lot of other bugs, especially stink bugs. This difficulty in identification is one of the big reasons for the minor panic that ensued after this little girl was bit. People would see other insects that looked like them and get scared. Even news outlets posted photos of all sorts of fairly common insects and said that they were kissing bugs, furthering the confusion. I just did an image search for kissing bugs, and about half the page is harmless stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs. What makes kissing bugs so scary isn't just that they're probably the largest blood-feeding insect in the world, but that they transmit a deadly parasite. This parasite is called Trypanosoma cruzi. It lives inside of muscle cells, damaging them. Unlike ticks and mosquitoes, the parasite isn't transmitted through the bite of the kissing bug, but through its feces. A person is most likely to encounter the feces of a kissing bug if it has been feeding on them. Infections with this parasite comes in two phases. First is the acute phase, which happens right after the parasite gets into the bloodstream. It gets there when the feces of the bug is rubbed into the bite wound, accidentally eaten, or rubbed into a mucous membrane. That is, the thin, moist skin around the eyes, nose, or mouth. The acute phase can begin with swelling where the infection started, but often there is no sign. As the parasites multiply, in many different types of cells of the body, some people continue to be unaffected, while others get flu-like symptoms. It's rare, but some children do die during the acute phase. After some time, between a couple of weeks and a month, the parasite goes into the chronic phase, where it settles down into the muscle tissues. Even then, most infected people have no idea. They can live their entire lives with no symptoms. But after 10 to 30 years of constantly harboring a parasite, 20 to 30% of people develop heart complications, digestive complications, or both. The parasite eats away at the heart over time, making it so the heart can't contract properly and disrupting the electrical signals that tell the heart to beat. Most patients that die from Chagas disease die of sudden cardiac death. In the infections that affect the digestive system, the parasite mostly impacts the cell of the throat and colon, causing them to enlarge. 
Despite the throat being larger, the patient feels like something's perpetually blocking it, and it's incredibly painful to swallow. It can get so bad that some patients end up malnourished, even though they have plenty to eat. For those with enlarged colons, it can become obstructed, which can also be a life-threatening condition. We don't know why, but mostly only people who contract Chagas disease south of the Amazon basin are likely to get the digestive type. Everywhere else, it affects the heart, or both the heart and the digestive system. So yes, Chagas disease is a very serious condition, for which there is no vaccine. But does that mean that we should be concerned that this little girl in Delaware got bit by a kissing bug? Well, let's dig into that. There are 11 species of kissing bugs that are native to the U.S. Nine of them live in the U.S. and other countries. Two of them are only in the U.S. And they have been documented here since the 1800s. Many news outlets are reporting them as, quote, invading insects, but in reality, they've evolved here, just like bison and bald eagles. In Latin America, Chagas kills 10,000 people a year, but the number of people who get infected here in the U.S. is in the single digits per year. So what the question really comes down to is, if we have kissing bugs in the United States— just like they have them in South and Central America, why are we not seeing Chagas infections in the same number? For me, the first thing I guessed was that kissing bugs here just aren't carrying the parasite. But after I looked into it, I found that their infection rate is around 50% in Texas. That's extremely high. When researching mosquitoes, an infection rate of 1% is considered high. It comes down to a term that I've used before. Vector competence. Some species of kissing bugs are just better at transmitting the disease than others. For example, if a species of bug prefers the taste of dog over a human, they're more likely to go after the pets in our home than the people living there. This would increase the risk of the dog getting the disease but would also make the bug much less likely to transmit the parasite to humans. Our paper today is called Importance of Feeding and Defecation Times of Insect Vectors in the Transmission of Chagas Disease by Sherwin Wood. It was published back in 1951. And even back then, He was thinking about this question. What makes kissing bugs in the U.S. bad at transmitting Chagas disease? So he examined the infection process step by step. He realized that what it all comes down to is the interaction between the insect's feces and the human. In order for a person to come into contact with the feces of the bug, the bug would need to defecate somewhere on or near that person. 
This would most likely happen when the bug is feeding, because when they aren't hungry, they typically hide in a safe place. So, he asked a very simple question. How long after feeding do they defecate? A very short amount of time between feeding and defecating would mean that they're more likely to defecate on their host. A very long time means that they're most likely far from the host and in their resting den. The experiment he devised was as straightforward as his question, if not very pleasant. The experiment was on three species of kissing bugs native to the U.S. Unfortunately, they don't have common names, so we'll be sticking to their scientific names. So, Triatoma protracta can be found in the southwest, from California all the way to Texas. Paratriatoma hirsuta, which lives in California, Nevada, and Arizona. And Triatoma rubida, which also lives in the southwest, but only in the southernmost states. So, he took these bugs and let them feed on a guinea pig until they were full. Then he put each one in a glass vial and waited. Every time one defecated, he took down the time, and after staring at them for three hours, he stopped. What he found was that Protracta, the most widely spread of the three, took many minutes, often even hours, to defecate after feeding making it a pretty incompetent vector. Hirsuta had similar times, defecating long after leaving the host. But Rubida was different. They didn't even wait an entire minute before making a deposit. They also defecated more often than any of the other species in the study. When you compare these U.S.-born kissing bugs to those in South and Central America— you see a pattern forming. For the most part, the U.S. bugs are waiting until long after they left their hosts to defecate, depositing the parasites far from people, while their counterparts are more likely to go on their host. But as we can see in the case of Rubida, this isn't always true. There are clearly other factors at play. Some factors that have been researched are as far-ranging from the tendency for houses in the U.S. to be built airtight, with South and Central America houses being more breezy, to the strain of parasite each species of kissing bug carries. As of right now, we don't know the full story, but most likely it's a combination of a lot of things. As we've run into before, back in the 50s, they didn't publish who funded their research. So, unfortunately, we don't know. With all that I've told you, a natural question that you might ask is, if there isn't a kissing bug invasion happening, why are so many news outlets saying there is? I'm going to be getting a little bit more in-depth into that during my live show, but Partly what it comes down to is the fact that Chagas is a disease that most people in the U.S. have never heard of. And misinformation spreads fast when there's not a lot of information out there. 
Also, I think that it might be a misinterpretation of the term emerging disease, which is something that the CDC and the World Health Organization refer to Chagas as. Chagas disease is spreading as infected people move around the world, but it isn't contagious. Almost all of the people living in the U.S. with the disease were infected somewhere else. So although the total number of people infected is going up, the threat to healthy people in the U.S. isn't changing. Next month, episode 33 is going to be my live show from Sound Education. The title is going to be Blood-Sucking Insects That You've Never Heard Of. I'll be getting into the science behind insects like toe fleas, setsy flies, floor maggots, soft ticks, and more on kissing bugs. September's Agora Podcast of the Month is Mid-Atlantic. It's a political podcast where Brits and Americans ask each other what is going on in each other's countries. Now that I'm back, it would be really great if you would give us a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one of them, and I appreciate them all. Until next month, tell your roommate that timing when bugs poop is not only legitimate science, but actually explains disease transmission. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.